Good morning, everybody. I welcome you to our Q4 announcement for the year 2013 here with us in our company, FL Schmidt. I would like to start with the key highlights. The year 2013 is executed as planned and as well as it was already communicated quite early in the year 2013. We have a strong focus on managing the cyclical downturn and, of course, to prepare the upturn. Very strong view is on the sustainable, profitable growth and on the return on capital employed. Before I go further into the facts and figures for 2013, I would to highlight safety. As you know, since quite a while, we have a lot of focus on our safety performance. And I'm pleased and proud to announce that we made a significant step in 2013 in the right direction. And the right direction is that we in a foreseeable time reach our ambition, no injuries for our employees. We had a safety track record listed as LTIFR in 2012 for 4.7 and we achieved a reduction, significant reduction in 2012 to 3.9. So the interim's target of 3 for 2015 looks uh, reasonable. Now back to the overall market. And um, I would like to talk a little bit about the mining industry as well as about the cement industry. And I already started in May 2013 to talk about the cyclical downturn in, uh, in mining. What we see is exactly that further on. There is no change of view from our side since May last year on it. This cyclical downturn, this capex downturn is going on up to the end of this year. And then seeing in 2015, a flattish or slight decreasing market. From 2016 on, slow growth as it is typical for a mining cycle. In cement, we have clearly pockets of recovery. We see more light at the end of the tunnel. More activities than we had it at the beginning and in the mid of 2013. So, we are moving more and more into a level of recovery. Important to say is that the important customer service business, which is a good indicator for the working level, workload on our customer side, is resilient and still growing. If I now come to the key financial highlights for the Q4, overall, of course, if you look on the figures, a negative uh, financial result. But we reflect on one side the business environment and on other side all the announced activities, what we did in 2013, especially in Q4. Our order intake clearly shows several large capital orders and one huge O&M operation and maintenance order, what we received in the fourth quarter. If we would report 
this O&M order in the same way as we did it in 2012, we would have record high order intake for the whole group in quarter four 2013. This is important to know. The revenue was as expected and we had a significant currency headwind with an impact of 7% down, both on order intake as well as on revenue. We had a positive cash flow, but definitely not on the right level. I can say it like this, simply not enough on the cash flow. The EBITDA was impacted significantly by the planned costs as it was already communicated in August last year. And as one surprise, the so-called Buxton legal case, we call it the Buxton Award. Very positive on the key financial highlights, our efficiency program is well on track. And that's the next where I would like to look into it with you. As you remember, we are working on seven initiative blocks and the target is, and what we will definitely achieve, is a 750 million DKK improvement on EBITDA line in the full year 2015. We already are on close to 500 EBITDA improvement as a run rate. To be very detailed, 498. And you see in the presentation on that slide number six, the percentage split of that run rate for EBITDA improvement. And it's clear that the first initiative blocks deliver the biggest part of it as it was planned. If we then look more into the details, we announced in August last year a headcount reduction of 1,100. The effect in 2013 was already close to 900. With a full year run rate, we are already over 1,100. And this is purely the efficiency improvement program. This is not the business right sizing, which works parallel in the organization based on the outlook of our business, especially our revenue. If it comes to the location reduction, we announced we will have more than 20 in the efficiency program. We already have in 2013, 25, and the full year run rate is more than 40. One of costs, and that's the change to the announcement before, is in a different split between 2013 and 2014. We said that one of costs will be 500, and that will be the case, but we announced Roughly 350 will hit the bottom line in 2013, but we changed to 428. And that is related with two product prunings in the customer service business. So for 2014, we will have another 72 million DKK as one-off costs out of the efficiency program. And then we are done. The EBITDA improvement run rate, as I said before, is on track with 498 full year run rate. Now to the financial performance, and I would like to give the word to Ben, our CFO. Thank you very much.
And uh, I will continue <clears throat> covering the fourth quarter financial performance with an overview first. And uh, looking at the order intake, it has been reported down with 8% compared to the same quarter one year back. Even adjusted for currencies, translation effects, uh, we will be down with one percentage point. Um, it was mentioned by uh, Thomas Schulz that we had a record high order intake uh, if we take into account the new operation maintenance contract, which has not been reported as order intake for more than the, the next 12 months revenue from that contract. On the revenue side, we are reporting uh, lower revenue in a sharp comparison with uh, the, the same revenue in the fourth quarter of 2012 and is down with 12% and down 5% if we adjust for the 7% in uh, currency exchange translation effect. Gross margin is also lower, as announced in the beginning of the year, where we especially have the effects in the cement business, which is now uh, executing projects taken during and after the global financial crisis with the lower margins. Uh, we have had a number of uh, initia uh, initiatives taken by the management. We call them special items. Uh, these have um, all impacted the EBITA line, and we see that is dropping down. So the reported EBITA margin was 3%. And line, we had an 8.7% EBITA margin if we adjust for these special items. And the same effects are impacting the net results as well as the cash flow from the operation in the quarter. Making the same look at the, the full year numbers, we see that the order intake is down, even adjusted for the currency effects, and uh, then the same also with the order backlog. At the contrary, we had a high production activity, and high activity in the business, so there have been an organically growth of 2% on the revenue side uh, during 2013 compared to last year. On the gross margin, we have the same effect as we saw in the fourth quarter, also for the full year. And with the special items, uh, we have had an EBITA margin, an EBITA impacted by these. So we're reporting 3.6%. It is a challenge to see the difference between the reported EBITA and the underlying adjusted uh, profit for this year. The underlying reported is 8.2%. These effects are then impacting the different levels in the profit and loss statements, as we see also in the overview. A comment to the cash flow from investments, where we spent close to 600 million. It was guided with 800 million, so we have spent less and materially less than last uh, in 2012, where we spent 3.4 billion, very much driven by the acquisitions made that year, which we have been holding back on in 2013 and still do. Working capital has uh, increased with 432 million, as reported, 22%. And I will come back to uh, the underlying uh, explanations for this. Return capital employed is 6%. Very much driven by the EBITDA margin, which is down to 3.6% reported. And uh, the employees, we have um, had a reduction in the average number of employees throughout the year, around 600 persons, driven mostly by the strong reduction in the uh, number of employees from the efficiency program, as well as ongoing right-sizing activities. On the other side, we are manning up in some of the operation and maintenance contracts where we are succeeding with new contracts. So blue-collar workers to be manning the sites are uh, pulling in the other direction. 
the net reduction is around 600 million in 2013, 600 persons in 2013. Looking at our order intake and the share of the order intake from our service activities, and um, uh, that is now, uh, uh, with the aftermarket business, increased to 49% compared to 41% one year back. And this is according to the ambitions that we are aiming for having a higher share of order intake and business from the aftermarket and the service business of the total business. Further on the order intake, we are reporting a decrease of 8%, as we saw in the overview. And uh, looking at uh, the slide on uh, page number 11, uh, we see on the left side of it that we have the bars where we have been splitting the order intake. And looking back to 2012, we had on top the yellow part, which was an illustration of the operation maintenance contracts. We will see in the fourth quarter of 2013, we do not report this. And that is the difference from what we did one year back. If we had added the operation maintenance contract that we um, secured in the fourth quarter of 2013, we would be on a record high uh, level of order intake for our business, highest ever in uh, FL Smith history. We also see from this that uh, we had a higher level of announced orders in the fourth quarter this year compared to 2012. And uh, on the other side, it was uh, somewhat lower on um, the unannounced order base. And that is uh, very much related to a temporary uh, lower level of unannounced orders, specifically in the mineral processing business. We secured uh, three announced orders in the fourth quarter, one within our material handling business and um, around 1 billion kroner, and we had two cement orders, one in Qatar and one in Indonesia, uh, in total around 800 million. And as we said, the operation maintenance contract uh, which was the record high one in Nigeria. The revenue increased uh, sequentially from the third quarter to the fourth quarter of 2013. And um, in the quarter, we had, though, a reduction compared to the high revenue in the fourth quarter 2012. So it was down with 12%. Uh, the activity level in total for the fourth quarter has been at a high level. Uh, for 2013. Uh, the total revenue for the whole year has been impacted strongly by the currency translation effects. This is a non-monetary effect, and it has taken down the total revenue for the year, as well as the quarter, with 7%, which means that uh, the currency effect in the fourth quarter was 550 million, and for the full year, 1.6 million down in the effects on the, the revenue. The gross margin, we announced in the beginning of the year that now we will be executing only projects in cement business which were taken during and after the global financial crisis. We were done with this, uh, these super high margins that were before the global financial crisis. So if you're looking at the slide on uh, slide 13, we see on the right side, that we see the cement this effect, which is the, the large explanation for the change in the gross profit and the gross margin in our business in the fourth quarter, as well as for the full year. In addition to this, we have had one of costs, both related to the efficiency program, as well as what we call this Buxton arbitration award, which we charged fully to the, the cost of goods sold in our business.
we can, just for these items and just for your information, then we had an uh, underlying uh, gross margin, both for the full year and for the fourth quarter, around 224 to 22.7%. On our cost ratio, sales cost and administration, uh, we are reporting an uh, increase in the cost of uh, 9% in the quarter compared to one year back to a level of 14.7. Here, it is very important again to look at all the initiatives made by the management to prepare us for the 2014 and the growth to come in the years later. And that is the efficiency program uh, uh, for the larger extent, which uh, was impacting the fourth quarter with uh, 133 million on this line. And um, the underlying Cost ratio was 12.9% in that quarter. We can also carry in mind that we run uh, activities regarding right sizing, which we are not reporting specifically on, which also was impacting the fourth quarter of this year. All in all, we see now that the underlying cost picture is declining and uh, going in the right direction uh, gradually. And uh, we are happy to see that we, we start noticing the effects from the efficiency program, but not very visible still in our accounts that will come from the first quarter of 2013 or 14 on. The lower operational margin as well as um, the efficiency program costs and the other special items have impacted our EBITDA margin, reported the fourth quarter with 3%. And on the right side of the slide number 15, we are uh, reporting the underlying adjusted EBITDA margin, which is impacted by uh, the arbitration in the Buxton as well as the efficiency program costs. And uh, so the adjusted uh, EBITDA was 8.7. Still, this is lower than what we had back in 2012, and that is very much due to the lower operational margin, uh, specifically for the cement uh, business, which is the main item. Our return on capital employed is, of course, impacted by the lower reported EBITDA margin, which makes us report a return on capital employed of 6%. It's not satisfactory. We will bring this up. And uh, the initiatives we have made in 2013 is exactly to drive the return on capital employed up in the years to come. If we adjust for the initiatives we took in 2013, we have an underlying return on capital employed in this year of 14%. Still not at the level of the, low, uh, the long-term target of 20%, but we are aiming towards this with the efficiency program that we are taking. Talking a little bit about the networking capital. Cash and networking capital management is important, especially in a downturn period as we see in the, the mining uh, industry right now. Uh, we have um, had effects... Uh, in our networking capital, if you look at the slide here on the left side, we have an ambition, and that is to continuously work on reducing the absolute amount of networking capital as well as its percentage of sales. That is the target we are working on, and we have achieved some, and uh, we see that the networking capital initiatives that we are working on, they are making effect. There is a period with headwind, and the headwind consists of reduced large orders in total, which creates less down payments from customers, 
we have a less prepayments and a less on-account invoicing. So looking at uh, the fourth quarter of this year, we had a reported increase in networking capital of close to 100 million, 98 million to be exact. And uh, that is driven by, as we said, the, the change in net work, in the working progress, uh, net together with the prepayments, which in total close to 900 million has been driving up the networking capital in that quarter. At the same time, we continue with our program. We have managed to counter for a lot of these effects, but not all. So it was a reported 98 million in increase. That said, for the full year, we had the same effect where we had a 2.2 billion in reduced down payments, reduced accounts uh, payments from customers, as well as um, uh, prepayments. We have managed to absorb part of this, close to half of it, through the program. If not working with the program, we would have seen a very different development in our networking capital. We are not satisfied still, and we continue with the, the program. I urge to say that uh, when we look at the reported increase in networking capital, which for the full year was, was 432 million, if you look at our cash flow statement, flow statement, we will see a larger amount of close to 900 million, 893 million, and the difference there is that during the year, we have had currency translation effects related to the networking capital elements, which is hitting our cash flow statement, but in the reported numbers, it shows up with 432. I think this is uh, um, important to, to see that difference. We are running uh, a lot of initiatives on the networking capital side in the business where we run workshops around the world and we continue with our ambition to continue a reduction in the networking capital. We have been talking about the special items uh, which have been impacting the EBITA and our accounts in 2013 and here we provide an overview on the slide number 18 uh, with um, all these uh, special items which were initiated by the management with except from uh, the arbitration reward uh, award that we got in the Buxton case, which was a big and unexpected surprise for us in the fourth quarter. The total effect on the EBITA we see was 1.2 billion. Out of these, 421 million was charged in the fourth quarter and explains the difference between the underlying and the reported EBITA for that quarter as well for the full year. The lower EBITDA from the special items have also impacted the way we report and calculate our debt gearing, which is the difference between um, the net interest-bearing debt and the EBITDA, the, re re the relationship between them. And we have a self-imposed target of two times. Uh, right now, by the end of this year, we are on a 3.6 times, as we can see on the right side of the slide. And um, as this is calculated as a rolling 12 months principle, we will gradually, in 2014, see a reduction in this, aiming for being back on track um, uh, at the end of 2014. And uh, with this, um, I would uh, hand over the microphone again to Thomas Schulz. Thank you. Thanks, Ben. So, um, as Ben explained, 2.14 special items in the year 2013 is, of course, a significant impact on the result. 
That was planned, or in the majority beside the special award, uh, it was planned and executed in a fantastic professional manner. If we go on in that way and saying, what did we do more to prepare us and to have us in a very good shape to manage in a professional way through a cyclical downturn? We took in the year, and it hit the Q42, some additional prudent um, business practice changes. We have a by far more stringent approach to capitalization of internal costs related to R&D development, including our ERP business system. We have a more stringent assessment of inventory. We have a significant more stringent approach to cash flow from investments. And the target is, of course, to bring that level below depreciation and amortization. And that is what we target for already in 2015. A quicker change is simply not possible based on contracts. But this activity we already started in the mid of 2013 and shows the very much prudent approach of the top management and the board for our company, F.L. Schmidt. Last but not least, to report the O&M contracts in a different way as a so-called 12 months rolling revenue effect is, of course, a significant change, especially in a time where we outperform the industry with these kind of contracts, and then we show it differently than before. Out of that quite prudent approach, no matter if it's the efficiency program or these business practices or the business right-sizing, which is ongoing and, of course, related to the different business areas where it's necessary, we propose to the board and the board will propose to the AGM that we pay a dividend of two Danish kroner per share. I have to explain that based on our dividend policy, we are implied not to pay a dividend. As well as our actual capital structure, which is outside the targeted range, would imply no dividend payment. But, and that's the big but in it, we have a significant trust into the outlook and guidance what we have for 2014 and ongoing about our performance. And that is based on, and there are personal note, the very professional behavior of the whole company globally. If it comes to business right-sizing, efficiency program, last but not least, fantastic customer contact, which you saw with some larger orders, especially in the Q4. If we then look further, and now I'm on slide 22, our long-term financial targets are, of course, not changed. And I only can repeat what I already said in May and then in August and then in November. It is important that we as a top management understand that the long-term financial target is not a vision. This is something what you in a foreseeable time have to achieve and to reach. And that is what we will do. If I now come more into the outlook 2014, and I would like, based on uh, the discussion and uh, 
explanation from our side already since May, a little bit slipped then, of course, into 2015 too. Our group guidance reflects the actual business environment, our very good standing in the competitive landscape in mining as well as in cement. And of course, it reflects the order intake level, what we achieved in 2013. So our revenue guidance is up to 24 billion Danish kroner. And that's a level what we see out of the order intake out of 2013 combined with the business environment. That we go down to 21 as a guidance range, 21 to 24, reflects still, no matter that it's less than before, but still an uncertainty in both in mining as well as in cement. If it comes to the EBITDA margin, the 7 to 9% definitely is a good target in the light of our long-term financial targets. And I would like to remind that the 7 to 9% EBITDA includes all upcoming one-offs. We will stop to talk about underlying results what we had to do and have to do for the 2013 result because we have these self-imposed huge special items in the figures. So a 7 to 9 shows here definitely the experience out of 2013 as well as the business environment and more important, the already done significant preparation of our company, F.L. Schmidt, for 2014 and 15 ongoing. I would like to repeat, you prepare an upturn in a downturn, and that is exactly what we did in 2013. If we look into our CFFI, you see we still go down further. As I said, this is the more prudent approach on business practices. And the return on capital employed with 11 to 13%, which is not satisfying. We know that, but it's a reflection where we come from. It's a reflection of the business environment, but at the same time, a significant improvement to 2013, which clearly shows that we are doing very well on the efficiency program as well as on the business right sizing. I would like now to go on slide number 24, more into details. And that means in the guidance, division by division for 2013. And to give a little bit an information where we come from, we have in brackets the figures of 2013. If we look into the customer service business, the resilient, growing as we announced two years ago, three years ago, double-digit growing onward, and where we changed our view by saying we will be more on the single digit from 2014 on, we see a revenue guidance around 8 billion Danish kroner coming from 7.6 in 2013. Important is here the EBITDA margin guidance, 13 to 15%. And I would like to highlight the underlying EBITDA performance, 
and I really call it performance, of customer service in 2013, which was 14.6%, and for the full year, a little bit above 13%. So we are really in the right direction. If it comes to revenue, I have to repeat, regarding the pruning of products, which will cost several hundred million, less revenue opportunity in 14. But that is necessary if you would like to increase the efficiency and prepare for the business environment. Now to material handling. And here, the revenue guidance is around 4 billion. And that reflects the order intake. And I have to say the artificial level on order intake and revenue, artificial low. You all know about our legacy projects coming from 22, 23, then the last quarter, 15, now 14, what we still have to carry, and they have the highest priority. But you see, with the announcement of the QPMC order in the fourth quarter, how much trust in the professional approach of our MH, material handling division we have, that we are going out again to seek for bigger orders. The margin for 2013, we see between 0 and 2% on EBITDA level. If it comes to mineral processing, this is, of course, the most severe hit area in the mining business environment and reflects really the business environment in mining. Here, we have a significant decrease in order intake already in 2013 with no large order announced in 2013. So a guidance around 6 billion reflects that. And that level is, of course, the level where we place our cost structure for. Business right-sizing is, of course, ongoing and will still ongo. And you see in the EBITDA guidance from 6 to 8% that the one-off costs are included there. If we then look into cement, we got, yes, we got quite a few orders in the last few weeks, which only reflects our strong, extremely strong market position in premium. But, of course, in 2013, with a higher revenue, we still executed higher order intake out of 12 and 13. That, of course, is gone in 14. That's the reason why we are with a guidance on revenue around 4 billion Danish kroner. A guidance on EBITDA around 6% reflects that what we see in the business. A lot of business right-sizing happened already in cement. Very well-performing division. We are in a very, very good mood and outlook regarding cement in that way. Here, an underlying figure too. The fourth quarter, our colleagues finalized the underlying EBITDA with more than 10% and such a business environment. And last but not least, back in the group, Sembrit, with an own new board, which clearly reflects that this is not our core business. So we are pleased to find the right competences for the management team as well as for the board of Semperit. And there the guidance is 1.4 billion DKK, as well as a positive up to 2% EBITDA margin for the year 2000 and, 
13. Now a little bit of summarization. And now it's a little bit easier to summarize. Because you clearly could see we did, we announced things, we did our homework, we executed it, maybe more than expected, yes. And that's the reason why we are quite positive for the next two years, especially by knowing that 14 is a tough year, not only for mining, still for salmon too. Everything what we wanted to do and a little bit more was executed and communicated before too, already very early. Of course, in such a situation, managing the cyclical downturn and preparing for the upturn, that's the task of a management and that is what we do. Our view is on sustainable, profitable growth. This is so outmost important. And to go in a foreseeable time over 20% return on capital employed. And with that, I would like to open the session for questions. Yes, hello, uh, Patrick Sedber from uh, Nordea Markets. I have a couple of questions. I will take them one by one. Uh, the first one is I want to have some um, elaboration on your 2014 guidance. Uh, when it comes to the efficiency program, you're talking about a uh, run rate from the actions you have been implementing of 498 millions uh, from 2015. Um, could you please give us an indication of how much the positive impact will be on the cost level for 2014, what is included in the guidance? In the guidance for the EP program 2014 are 72 million DKK included. If and I have to say that... That is the one of costs. The one of costs, yes. yeah. The one of costs. Uh, I'm not talking about the one of costs. I'm talking about how big an impact of the 498 will we see already in the 2014 figures. Ah, okay. What we can say, and I think that's the most, um, uh, or the most true picture on it. If we would stop now, if we would make a full stop now, or end of 2013, I have to say, um, then we would have an EBITDA improvement on the bottom line, full year effect 2015 of 498. So you can make a linear assumption coming from end of 2013 with more or less not measurable up to end of 2015. So difficult to say exactly on the figure, but you can say maybe 200 million DKK on the bottom line. Okay, thank you for that clarification. Uh, my second question is regarding your revenue guidance for 2014. Um, I have a little bit difficulties to see how you should reach the 21 billion in revenue, which is the bottom range, of course, of your guidance, uh, given the comments you give for each individual division. C could you please just give what kind of scenario would bring your revenue 21, to 21 billion in 2014? If the business environment in mining as well as in cement would get would worsen significant more, then we actually see the business environment developing. That would be the scenario for it. I, without to make it too long, I have to say, a 21 should clearly show there is still uncertainty in the market. No matter that the uncertainty is lower than a few months ago, but the uncertainty is still there. The mines are operating 
Our customers are in full production, not one mine closure based on capacity reasons. But if that would change, then we would have a problem to reach uh, the top level of our guidance. Okay, thank you. But we don't see that. I've, I think we all can agree, and if we see the announcement of our customers, we don't see that. Uh, talking about your customers, um, they, they are still, um, as you have already been describing through the presentation, still cutting their capex. Uh, I'm just wondering if you could give an update regarding the pricing level on, on, on larger mining equipment. How is that uh, developing in that market we're seeing now? It's... Um, you know, pricing, in that moment when you go in a mining cyclical downturn, pricing is the first thing where you come under pressure. So that's already ongoing. We don't see a higher pricing pressure. Definitely not. It's the same pricing pressure. It's there, yes. We have to fight, yes. But it's not an increase in pricing pressure. Could you give a number or... Uh I, that's so, uh, that fluctuates so much based on geography, commodity, equipment, and so on. So it's very difficult to say. Okay. I think uh, that, that is it for me. Okay, then I uh, take the lead and would like to invite all our guests on the webcast. Thank you. If you have a question, please press star then one on your touchdown phone. Christian Johansen from Danske Bank is online with a question. Yes, hello, gentlemen. I have uh, just a couple of questions. The first one here is uh, regarding your order intake. You mentioned the drop in, in mineral processing yourself. But can you elaborate a bit on why we are seeing a significant drop in the Q4 and taking mineral processing versus Q3? And, and why you also uh, say it, it uh, is likely to be uh, temporary? Mm -hmm. Yes. Thank you, Christian, for the question. The, um, the situation out in the market is that our customers don't want to spend CapEx, especially not at the end of the year. They look into that, what they promised to their market, to their shareholders and investors and compare that with that what they would like or what they can then invest at the end of the year. And it seems to be some of the projects were not invested in the Q4. They are postponed. They are not gone. They are not cancelled. By the way, we didn't have any cancellation of any order in the order backlog, by the way. So from that point of view, it's a kind of a delay, a shift of order intake. That is exactly what we see. Um, the other comment regarding why we think it's temporarily, you will see from now on a more bumpy road regarding order intake in MP, higher quarter, lower quarter, higher quarter, lower quarter. That's normal in a cyclical downturn. And that's the reason that we say as a forecast or as a information for 2014 regarding order intake, it will be roughly on the same level as the order intake was in 2013. But you will have deviations in, in between the quarter. Okay. Uh, then just a, a clarification to, uh, to Patrick's question before. Did you say that, that uh, of these 498 million, which would be the full effect of the efficiency program in, in, uh, in, in 15 if you stop now, 
you expect 200 to impact 2014? That we should make a linear graph line between end of 2013 with more or less no EBITDA improvement up to the 498 at the end of 2015. And then you get roughly the amount which will drop in on the EBITDA level in 2014. The reason that I don't have the figure is simply that we, as we announced it before, are very much focused what we deliver in 2015. That's clear. Uh, And then you uh, gave me the the keyword to my next question. Uh, Is there any reason why you should not meet your your margin target of of 10 to 13 percent then in 2015, given this? If the business environment stays as it is, there should be not a reason that we reach our long-term guidance of EBITDA. Okay, that's, that's very clear. And then just the last one, can you just help me exp- understand the lower end of your margin guidance for material handling of, of, a, of 0%? Does this mean that you see risk of, of loss-making project in this division? No, but it reflects where we come from. We have to see which, uh, yeah, unbelievable negative result we had in 2013. Underlying, underlying, the fourth quarter showed more than 2% EBITDA for the material handling business. But we have to see now the full year and, of course, the business environment and on top of it that we keep artificially order intake low in the division until we have the 14 legacy projects off the books. Okay, thank you. That was all for me. Another question? Alex White from JP Morgan is online with a question. Yeah, good morning, everybody. It's Alex at JP Morgan. I've got um, three questions. I might take them one at a time. Um, the first one is... Uh, on the guidance, um, I actually struggled to get to the, the top end of the guidance. I think the bottom end is, is, is sort of understandable, um, or cer- certainly sort of in, in the bottom half of the range. I, to get to 24 billion, I'm, I'm just wondering how this is possible without a, a big turnaround in the business. We've got 22 billion in the backlog, less than 21 billion in orders. The underlying orders in Q4 were um, deteriorating in mineral processing and also in cement if we if we don't look at the larger orders. I'm just wondering how we can get to that 24 billion number without it without a big turnaround. Mm. Yes, um, we don't see the need for a big turnaround in the business to reach the upper part of the guidance. Our order intake as well as our order book and the book to bill ratio, what we foresee for 2014, and the activity level on the customer side, cement as well as mining, definitely shows us that the 24 is a good guidance target on the top end for us. But the, if, we, if we look at the orders, they're, they're not supporting that level at the moment. Um, where are you expecting the acceleration to, or the, the acceleration to come from? But you can look, um, you, Alex, you can look into the single guidance of each division and compare it with... Add up all of those, I know, I, I get there as well. I'm just... Uh... Yeah, I'm, I'm struggling to see what, like which parts of the uh, the business you actually expect to see the better orders, which would support the 24 billion in sales. We don't see a huge amount of large orders coming in, to be honest. 
That is what we already uh, said a few quarters ago, that uh, this huge amount of large orders will not happen for the next few years. And it would not bring us that much. Large orders will be uh, getting into revenue than the year after normally, after more than 12 months. But we have a significant stable, what we call unannounced order business and level. That we have differences in the quarter, as I said, that is fact. That's part of a cyclical downturn, that fluctuation. Okay. Um, then the, the second question is um, on page 23 of the report, you write about um, delays to customer payments. Um, just wondering what is behind that. Are, are customers struggling to get finance? Um, just, are they refu just refusing to pay? Well, can you help us uh, understand what's happening there and how you'd expect it to develop in 2014? Yeah, I think, um, yeah, how to explain it? The, if you have to pay and at the same time you would like to show uh, a good cash development in your company, of course, you negotiate longer payment terms. Each and everyone does it in a, in a downturn industry. That's normal. And that's definitely a bigger part of that uh, picture, what we see there. And that's normal, too. It's not pleasant, yes, but that is the way how an industry acts. And is that, is that negotiating, like, the longer to payment terms, were they negotiated at the start of the contract, or is that the customer coming to you as the project's progressing to say, hey, we need to, we need to work on this? No, it, it's, it is more before, in, let us take 2011, uh, customers wanted definitely to finalize as quick as possible the orders to place the next one. Now there is no pressure. There is less investment uh, activity ongoing as well as the delivery times are significant lower. So the pressure to finalize from customer side is not that high as it was before. And that automatically leads to a little bit more relaxed payment behavior. Okay. And then the, the last question was just following on from the pricing question before. Um, you said it was quite, there were, there were sort of many differences by geography or product segment. Um, can, can you help us out with where perhaps you're seeing more pressure and, and which areas are perhaps doing better? Yes, uh, overall, I can do it for cement first. Um, I think areas like Arabia, Africa, uh, parts of Asia, parts of um, Latin America and, of course, North America, are developing definitely in the right direction. If it comes uh, to mining, all over, I have to say, all over from a mining activity, on customer side, we are quite satisfied. But of course, we have uh, currency fluctuations in some of the countries. And of course, we have in some of the countries, based on how they perceive their outlook, some restrictions on further investments. Cement pricing, um, the, the sort of intensified competition that you flagged from Sonoma um, doesn't seem to be having too much of an issue, or you're, 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 you're managing to maintain pricing in your view there? I make it like that. The, Alex, it's a very good question, and I, I can repeat that. We learned our lesson in material handling to take orders on a low profit, on risky contract terms, especially on paragraphs what we can't influence. We don't do that. We don't do that in MH. We don't do that in MP, not in customer service, and, of course, not in cement, no matter what a peer is doing. And I think with the latest information, what we always get out of the market, 
we are getting very positive feedback for our behavior in the market as a premium supplier. Okay, that's helpful. Thanks very much. Lars Topholm from Carnegie is online with a question. Uh, yes, Lars from Carnegie here. I have uh, three, four questions. Uh, I will ask them all at the same time, then you can think of answers as I ask. Uh, ju just uh, on uh, on your IT system, I, I understand you, you've been developing your own IT system, and now it will go active. And that means you're going to amortize on this. I, I wonder what level of additional amortization we should expect uh, f from this. And, and if you can confirm, this will be booked between EBITDA and EBIT. Then question number two. Uh, on slide nine, I can see an increase in networking capital of 432 million. But according to the cash flow statement, it's 893 million. I wonder if you can bridge uh, those two numbers for me. And then uh, how, how do you see networking capital develop in uh, 2014, please? I take the third question. Huh. <laughs> I'll see if I will let Thomas answer the Final question, sorry, for, for materials handling, you, your 0 to 2% margin guidance for 14. Uh, what magnitude of reversal of provisions is included in that number, if any? Okay. Yep. Okay, let's start with the first question, um, Lars, and that was regarding IT. And it's correct. FSBIT has, over a number of years now, developed an IT platform, which is a standardized global platform tying the whole company together in one system. We have started the implementation of this now, which means we've started to use it in parts of our business. Because of that, we now start also to advertise. These um, uh, capitalized uh, amounts, these are intellectual capital. So they are not depreciating under the line of depreciation, which is hitting EBITA, but you are amortizing, which is hitting between the EBITA and EBIT. So that was one part of your question. And to the other part of your question was, how large will these amortizations now be going forward? And as uh, we gradually are increasing the use of this system, we're gradually also increasing the amortization year on year. It will reach a level which is approximately 100 million more than we see right now. So the annual will be between 100 and 150 going forward when we are on full peak in the full use of that system. But that will take two, two and a half years until we are all on the same system. How much should we expect in, in 14 in, in amortization here? Um, um, I take it roughly now. Um, we, I will estimate uh, 70, 80 million kroner, something like that, which is included um, in our numbers, in our budgets as such. But we are not guiding specifically on EBIT, but on EBITA, and there you don't see the number. Oh, that's why it's so interesting, Ben, because the conversion of EBITDA to earnings will then be lower. Okay, that was uh, the IT question. Thank you. Then my next question, shall I repeat it? Please. It's about cash. <laughs>
Networking capital versus cash. Exactly. So the networking capital, uh, it is correct, as you mentioned. And also during my presentation, I said that uh, the reported change in networking capital is 432 million. And that is the difference if you look at the opening balance and the end balance in our group accounts. During 2013, we have had large currency translation effects. These have also impacted the balance sheet numbers. So the end of 2013, we had a currency rate on the balance sheet, which was very much different from the beginning of the year. That difference, if we had applied the same currency exchange rates in the beginning of 2013, as we had at the end of the year, then you would have a higher change in networking capital, which is the high number, 493 million. So we had roughly, the, the main explanation for this, around 400 million or a little bit less, that is explained by this change in currency over the year, which has been 7%. But of course, in the reported number for the, from the balance sheet, from the opening to the end balance, that is only 432 but the full picture you see in the cash flow statement where you see the 893. So you have get, got the correct numbers, uh, and uh, I hope that explains the difference between the two. So, so there's a 461 million kroner negative cash flow impact from currencies on working capital items alone. The larger part is uh, currency, and there are some other effects. Uh, for instance, uh, there are around 100 of those are related to the acquisition of businesses, which have uh, increased also um, a part of the payment um, during that year, which is a part of the 893. Okay, should, should, did, did you ever consider to hedge these, these positions? Would that sense? Yes, uh, these are non-cash uh, uh, translation effects. As you know, when we compare a balance sheet at the beginning of the year and the end of the year, uh, then you have, um, uh, if you restate the beginning of the year, you will have a translation effect, uh, which is what you see. And normally, we don't hedge translation effects. We only uh, hedge real cash effects. But if you had hedged, isn't it fair to say your net debt would have been 461 or 361 million lower than it is? Uh, it would uh, not yeah, be... It's a pretty, pretty good benefit. There is uh, nothing to hedge uh, because it's a, like a non-monetary effect and you cannot hedge it because then you go into speculation where you make a transaction which in reality would be a speculation. So uh, you don't see companies hedging these effects. And I think you need to explain this to me after the call later because I don't understand it. But we'll take that besides. Fine. Then networking capital in 14. I can take that. The, in general, yes, the networking capital, and uh, we said that um, last year in several uh, quarterly announcements that we based on the business shift more in equipment orders and customer service orders. Of course, the um, risk of a higher networking capital lies in that business shift. If I take customer service, you simply have a higher ratio of networking capital to have the goods available close to the customer runs a higher inventory. On top of it, with the lack of large orders, we have, of course, a significant lack of prepayments. If we look in very detailed in our networking capital development, yes, we increase the networking capital, 
But what, uh, what is inside shows clearly that we are up to 2 billion over the year, up to 2 billion Danish kroner buffered in these figures the lack of advanced payments. So our networking capital development goes wrong. Yes, no matter we have an unbelievable strong focus on it and we were able to buffer close to 2 billion DKK with all our activities. The pity is that it ended up still with a higher networking capital. But as Ben explained it very well in the presentation, we have a strong focus and we go on, we do more and more vendor financing and so on to get that down again because that's so important, cash and networking capital. I'm very happy. The CEO did not promise a zero in networking capital next year, but we will be continuing to working on uh, reducing the absolute uh, amount of networking capital as well, also in 2014. Yes. Okay, and then to materials handling and zero to two percent margin, does that include any reversal of provisions? No, it doesn't. Thank you very much, guys. Johan Eliasson from Kepler is online with a question. Yeah, hi, this is Kepler Chevreur, Johan Eliasson. Um, just uh, coming back to your um, accounting for, for this uh, significant O&M order in uh, Nigeria, uh, you said that um, if you had used the old accounting method, it would have been a record quarter, which I guess was $9 billion a couple of years ago, implying that the total order value for this OMN agreement is, is close to $4 billion over these five years. And I think I read that you recognized $360 million in, in the quarter, um, and, and then you will uh, recognize something new uh, in Q1, uh, I'm guessing. I mean... Uh, Four billion over five years. There's a sort of an annual run rate of around 800 million. So we should see an uptick here automatically, assuming it. And I was just wondering, how does the profile look like in a project like this? Is there sort of lower revenues recognized initially, or are they higher, or, or how does it look like? If you could help me out on that one. Thank you, Elias. Um, very good question. Um, the, but you, you gave already the answer, I have to say, because it is really like that. We have, when we take an order, if the order is undersigned, we have to ramp up, and that takes months. I give only one, one information. We have roughly to recruit 1,000 colleagues locally, so we establish an own headhunting office to get the colleagues locally. That means over the months, over several months at the beginning of such a contract, we step-by-step step ramp up before we really can start to act and create productivity improvement for our customers. That's the part of the, uh, the model. So, of course, you will see a higher revenue part out of the O&M contract coming. And how does the cash flow impact look like uh, uh, for an for a order like this then over the, the five years? Yeah, the, the typical uh, profile on the cash flow of the O&M contracts uh, that we are having a ramp up uh, fee in the beginning, which is a certain amount, as we said, uh, uh, relative to the, the ramp up uh, activities. And then uh, going forward, we have uh, like a 
calculation like every month, every quarter, where we pay as we go. So there is not very much networking capital tied up in these kind of contracts at all. They are actually very good when you come look at them from a return of capital employed point of view. Excellent. And then just a, a detail, coming back to this amortization in impairments on your new ERP system, it was difficult to hear your exact answer, but I noticed that uh, the item sort of uh, uh, increased by 70 million from Q3 to Q4 this year, and then I think you said uh, 70 to 80 million higher going forward. Uh, could you just repeat exactly what you what you see the impact on, on a quarterly or an annual basis being in 2014? From Q3 to Q4 was partly driven by that we, uh, we took, um, uh, we split it up this uh, ERP investments into three uh, part solutions and in this we, we made a larger depreciation in uh, one of these uh, in the fourth quarter which is not something directly repeating. We have not been reporting it as a special item or a non-recurring a non item uh, because we don't think it is that material, but that explains some of it. So the starting point is not as high as you mentioned when we're going forward. And uh, the level which I mentioned with uh, 70 to 80 million for 2014, that would be like the full year uh, amortization effect on uh, the ERP as expected. Okay, great. Many thanks. Jürgen Siebrett from HSBC is online with a question. Yes, good morning. Um, a question to your um, mining scenario. If, if, if that proves true, uh, is it fair to assume that you should return to sales growth in 2015? And, and uh, is, it, is it possible to, to give a level that, that is required in terms of sales uh, to, to achieve your 10 to 13% margin target? That would be the uh, first question. Um, then, also on your EBITDA target for 2014, have you factored in any negative net pricing effects into that uh, guidance? And uh, then a question uh, on FX again. Um, do you have any translation effects here on, on earnings? And then to what extent translation risks are uh, considered in your Again, 2014 target speed sales uh, or whatever. And then uh, lastly, on your gearing target, uh, the target, as you said, is to come down uh, from 3.6 to two times. Um, given that there are no, you know, I think, positive effects from large-scale orders, advance payments, down payments, don't look so good. So, so, so what are the, the clear drivers, uh, part of uh, the, the, the earnings development that you see for this improvement. Thank you. Okay, I, I start, uh, thank you, Jürgen. Uh, I start with the mining scenario. Of course, we don't guide now for uh, 2015, but the uh, fact is, as we see it, because the last two years with the cyclical downturn is a role model of a cyclical downturn. So we predict, based on that and customer information, um, how it will go on. And we don't see a significant growth in 2015. We see it flattish, which means around the zero growth line. That is what we see. There is uh, a little bit of possibility that it will could go down further, one, two, three percent in 15 versus 14. That's at the moment the 
um, the forecast what we roughly see for 2015. If it comes to the EBITDA target, the EBITDA target is, of course, impacted heavily by the volume, by what we can realize as pricing and what we have as cost. I think with the volume, we are, with our volume outlook, we are prudent. We did a lot already with the efficiency program. We are very good in exercising through our business right sizing. So the cost structure will not hit us in 2015. And that should give us a possibility to come closer or into uh, the long-term guidance, what we have for the company. If it then comes to the net pricing for 2014 and the EBITDA effect, the EBITDA effect from seven to nine includes all these things. The business right-sizing as well as we see pricing development, volume development, business development out in the market. It's a complete package, as we say. Okay. The next question was, which was regarding the translation uh, effects and uh, the risks for 2014 in this. Just to explain so we understand that in 2013, the translation effects that we have had in 13, impacting the top line of 1.6 billion in total, that is related to a non-cash translation effect. There are also uh, cash-related currency effects. These are being hedged in our company as they are real monetary effects. And uh, these are being netted out on uh, the, the financial costs line in the P&L. So for 2014, uh, there is always a, a translation currency risk effects in businesses which is operating internationally like F.L. Smith is doing, as there will be changes in the currencies among the, the main currencies. For 2013, we had a very strong euro and Danish kroner uh, versus especially US dollars, Australian dollars, and SAR, which is the South African uh, currency. And for 2014, we can only speculate which direction euros and Danish kroner will go. And of course, we have not done that. So in the budgets, we have assuming a currency rate which is taken out during the autumn at the time when we made our budgets. And that will stay. So there will always be some translation effects in group accounts for a company like us. Your next question was regarding the, the debt gearing. And the, the debt gearing... We saw a strong peak at the end of 2013 to 3.6 times uh, EBITDA. And the main factor there is that the EBITDA is low because of the special items that we took deliberately in 2013. As we will not have these effects in 2014, we will month by month and quarter by quarter improve the average EBTA in the calculation of the gearing percentage. So just by the calculation over the next 12 months, you will see that improvement effect. On top of this, we will, of course, have the, the, the real underlying operational cash flow, which will be strong in 2014 compared to 13, because we will not have these special items. So we will not have those cash effects from them, those either. So the main driver is, is the earnings development. Uh, could you repeat that, please? The main driver you have factored in is the earnings development. So that is uh, our uh, development as we both have these uh, special items, and uh, then you will have the calculation effect. Okay, thanks.
Jesper Christensen from ABN is online with a question. Yes, hello. Uh, one question from me, but uh, related to uh, three divisions. If I look at your EBITDA margin for the last uh, six months, it was uh, 3% in material handling, yet you got it from, for 0.2 in 2014. It was uh, 8% in cement, but yet you got it 5 to 7, and it was 3% in cement, and yet you got it 0.2%. Could you uh, elaborate a bit on your, your guidance? It seems very conservative, given what you have uh, reached on your margins in the last six months. I take that. Um, yes, your observation is absolutely right. Uh, we go into higher underlying profitability at the end of the year for definitely three of the divisions. Um, the reason that we have the guidance uh, on that level is, of course, uh, a more prudent approach of us in general. And second, uh, reflects that we... Uh, don't announce beside the rest, the last part of the efficiency program, as one of uh, cost for 2014. Everything will be included in these EBITDA guidances. Okay, thank you. It reflects the business environment where we are in. Johannes Gruncelius from ABG is online with a question. Yes, hello. Johannes Gruncelius here. A few questions. Um, my first question is on your guidance for 14 and for mineral processing in particular, where we see your new sales guidance range, which is significantly down from the actual number in 13. And yet you, your margin is just basically flat if we take the higher end of the range and, and just down 200 basis points if we take the lower range. I mean, how can you manage this given that there is such a big difference in the gross margin versus the EBITDA margin? Yes. The, um, uh, it is nothing new how MP develops. We see that quite a while coming. We didn't get any large order in 2013 for our MP division. So it's clear that we come to a new level of revenue in that division in 2014. Out of the efficiency program, combined with the business right-sizing, what we initiated already in 2013, we significantly ramped down our cost structure. The second argument in it is we have a shift in the sales activities in MP into smaller orders into more single equipment orders, which are normally in the industry related with a higher profitability versus big orders. And that has another effect on the profitability. And last but not least, we have a lot of initiatives ongoing out of the efficiency program under the initiative uh, area profit boost to keep for the company the profit level on a good Part, no matter that we are in a cyclical downturn. Okay, that's, that's helpful. Thanks for that. And then I have a question on, on customer service and your new revenue target, or the new revenue guidance, the range between 7.5 and 8.5. And we discussed this in the, in the Q&A here before the Nigerian O&M contracts, which should add something like 700-800 million or so, I guess, year over year. So adjusted for that, it's slightly down. Can you confirm that and, and elaborate a little bit on, on the organic growth you see here, excluding for the Nigerian contract? The Nigerian contract is for 2014 in a ramp-up phase. 
it's not a, you can't calculate any full year effect into it out of that uh, uh, big order what we got in the fourth quarter. Generally, what we see in the guidance from seven and a half to eight and a half and finalizing the year with 7.6, we are in a growth phase for customer service, but single digit in 2014. And I would like to uh, pinpoint on one issue. We had in the efficiency program, we took two products out, two product pruning issues into the efficiency program, which, by the way, cost roughly 70, 80 million DKK, which brought us down in the uh, EBITDA level for customer service more than it was anticipated. But for the revenue in 2014, it cost several hundred million DKK too, where we have lower revenue in customer service. So out of that, you see that our guidance is still quite a lot on growth build. Okay. Can you mention or give me an idea what the Nigerian contract is implying for the 14 sales? Uh, we could say that uh, it is a ramp-up phase. Uh, we got um, uh, all more or less like uh, $360 million. That's what we have been including in the budget, also in the guidance for 2014. Okay. Um, I, I know when you have elaborated on this type of contracts before, I mean, n not this one in particular, but, but O&M contracts in general, that the, the typical margin is sort of below the customer, typical customer service margins, but uh, above the group average margin. Is this still how we should view uh, O&M contracts going forward? Yes, that is how you still can view it. And okay, uh, that's good. Uh, by getting that question, I would like to take the opportunity to, to say it again. We are the only one in the world doing that in that industry. We cover all equipment, no matter who supplied it, complete plants, we are the ones who brought that model. We are the ones running that model. And it's a fantastic, fantastic development in that business. And it shows that we are not today an equipment or engineering supplier. We are really a full service provider into the industries where we act in. And that gives us a lot of yeah, backbone and trust that we will maneuver through that cyclical downturn very good and have participating in the growth phase very much. Right. Then my final question is on, on, on the FX turbulence. Have you noted that uh, the, the recent FX turbulence has, has impacted the business environment and, and the business sentiment among your clients in, in emerging markets? I would say that we have not noticed uh, specifically the FX um, uh, as a turbulence as impacting our businesses because it's quite long term and most of the, the contracts and uh, the decisions. Uh, there is, of course, uh, always an in discussion regarding the, the pricing when it comes to pricing and the currency effects. And um, what we do uh, is that we are most of our business is related to US dollars and euros. And uh, to very much of our customer base also, we are in those currencies. So, um, no, it is more like a translation effect and not so much a real uh, paid uh, transaction effects in this. Okay. Thank you for, for answering all my questions. Thank you. Thank you. Faisal Ahmed from Handelsbanken is online with a question. 
Um, yes, Nassel Ahmed from Hills Bank and Capital Markets with a few questions. Um, the first one is uh, primarily uh, to, to Ben. Um, you're talking about a more stringent approach to capitalization of uh, <clears throat> internal costs related to R&D development projects and, and the ERP uh, business system. Um, if you hadn't changed uh, your approach here, how much more would you have capitalized in 2014? That's the first question. Yeah, should take it immediately. Um, first of all, we, in this aspect, we are talking about two different elements. The one is the capitalization of research and development projects, and the other part is capitalization of the development of an e a global ERP solution. To the first one, regarding the capitalization of research and development projects, we have... Uh, wanted to inform the market that we make this change before we start implying it, which means that from the 1st of January 2014 on, you will have that effect. So uh, we have not made any like a reversal in 2013 regarding this. So it's the same practice until the end of 2013, and we start with this in 2014 and onwards. When it comes to the ERP part, uh, we decided during 2013 that we will stop capitalizing what we call business experts related, which is internal hours or persons related to the development of the solution. That has led to that we have been capitalizing less in 2013 than we would have done with a previous practice. And that is an amount of the level of close to like between 30 and 50 million. Follow up on the R and D part. Uh, you capitalized roughly 100 million in in um, in uh, 2013. How much will you be capitalizing in 14? It will be materially lower. Uh, we have um, we don't go out with the exact number on this, but um, as we apply a higher threshold for each separate development project, which means that it will go down from let's say a level of 20 development projects being capitalized down to maybe four or five during a year, so uh, it will be much uh, lower number. Okay, so is it reasonable to say that your actual EBITDA guidance could could have been roughly one percentage points higher if you hadn't changed these principles? I haven't made that calculation. Uh, I have not. Um, um. Okay, then just a second question, uh, which is also technical here. Um, purchase price allocations of roughly 330 million in, in 2013. What will the run rate going, uh, be, be going forward? Uh, we are, uh, as we have now made a break and a stop in uh, doing new acquisitions, which means that we will not add uh, new uh, acquisitions, which is also bringing in PPAs over time. So there is a gradual reduction in this now as we peaked after the acquisition of Ludovici and the other acquisitions in 2012. So um, we have still some PPA related to customer relations uh, which will lead to that uh, we still in 14 and 15 will have PPAs, but they will gradually reduce as long as we are not uh, increasing with new acquisitions, but no material reductions over that period. Okay. And the final question on, on CapEx, I mean, quite a material reduction in, in CapEx compared to what you've do, been doing the last uh, two years. I mean, um, how much of this is due to... Um, 
due to uh, intangible capex coming down and how much is uh, due to tangible capex down and if you just can uh, give us a bit more flavor on what kind of tangible cap capex are you actually cutting mm -hmm. it is in both and i would say it is a material cut in both as we said about uh, reduced uh, capitalization within both um, both uh, ERP and R&D, it will also be a large reduction in uh, more tangible uh, capex, like, for instance, upgrading or buildings or other things we will do. Uh, we have set the target here that we like to align the capex going forward uh, to the level of uh, depreciations and amortizations excluded from the PPAs. Okay, perfect. Yeah. That's all. Klaus Kiel from Nucredit Markets is online with a question. Yes, hello, uh, Klaus Kiel from uh, Nucredit Markets. Um, first of all, um, a follow-up question regarding this uh, mid-term target of a EBITDA margin of 10%. If we just say that the order intake stays at the current level, that's around uh, $21 billion, and uh, we add the uh, separate on top of that, then you will have revenues sooner or later of uh, 22.5 billion, just roughly. Is it then still realistic to reach an EBITDA margin of, of 10%, or, or, or could you say anything about where the minimum level of, of revenue is? That would be my first question. Yes. Uh, the, um, of course, um, if we would come in with 22.5, it is definitely more difficult to go double-digit on EBITDA. But I think more important is where would we have then the lack of revenue and which business division. You can imagine if what we absolutely don't foresee, but if that would be on customer service, it would hit a significant more regarding the EBITDA as we would have it in material handling. So out of that, it's uh, difficult to say. Um, the likelihood that we go more to the lower end of our uh, revenue guidance is yeah, as I said before, it is the uncertainty in the market. We don't foresee it, but there is still an uncertainty in the market. And that is what we have to reflect in our guidance. We think with our prudent approach, it's absolutely necessary to tell that to the market, how we see the spend based on the business environment in cement as well as in mining. Okay, okay. But... Um would it also be fair to say that uh, if uh, order intake uh, falls below your, uh, uh, your internal targets, then you would speed up uh, the right-sizing of the business in order still to, to protect at least uh, the 10% uh, target in, in 15? Or is that the way, right way to think about it, that you are more focused on 10% uh, margin rather than uh, the absolute uh, top-line level? The last part of your question, yes, we are definitely focused on coming into a double-digit EBITDA level. That's the area where we belong in, and there is no other area where we should be. And that throughout the whole cycle. Uh, the first part is we will not speed up because we are already in. We already do it for quite a while. Business right-sizing happens. It's an ongoing process. I give an example. We have, let us say, uh, colleagues in U.S., and we have colleagues in India. If you have to make this, which is not nice, which is not yeah, nice for managers and for the people it hits, if we have to reduce the workforce based on low, lower revenue outlook, not that it happened, the outlook, because we see it coming based on our business model, then, of course, in North America, 
you can p- inform people earlier than in India. If you do that in India, the next day, these colleagues will not come back to work. So we have a lot of revenue still to work on. So we have to predict, we have to analyze what our revenue curve in the future is. And based on that, we make the business right sizing. And that is what we will do. But don't expect that we go to the market and entertain a huge number what we will do worldwide. Because we have to do it by business and by geography. Okay, that's clear. And then my my final question would be that um, could you say anything about the start of uh, of 2014, uh, about the business environment, perhaps a little bit of color on the order intake? Um, and the reason why I'm asking is that one of your peers indicated that beginning of 2014 has been very weak. Oops. Yep. Um, yeah. <laughs> The, we are really at the beginning of uh, 2014. Um, what we see is the development, and that is based on the information what we get from our customers, the feedback from our customers, is exactly in, on that level as we saw it coming when we made the guidance. So we are not disappointed about the start of the year. We can't say that. Okay, thank you very much. Jonathan Hanks from Goldman Sachs is online with a question. Hi there. Good uh, Good morning. Just a quick one on materials handling, handling. Sorry to go back to it. Just to clarify, what do you think about as the right level, as a kind of a normal level for margins in the, this division? When do you expect that kind of normalization to, to be reached? Thank you very much. The normal level in such a uh, typical high engineering, very customized, And in that area where we act, not that competitive business, I have to say that, there are not so many companies able to supply in, is a reflection um, of a whole cycle, and that is roughly between 5% and 7% profitability in that business over a cycle. The real beauty of that business is that you run with a negative networking capital and having a very good return on that. It is a growth business, and especially for us, for Effel Schmidt, it is a business where we created a fantastic competence. I agree for a lot of cost based on these orders, what we took and what we call legacy orders, but we have fantastic competence. Okay, thank you very much. And, and when do you expect, roughly speaking, that you would see that normalization in margins for the, for the division? Normally, when you come into the area of the uh, cyclical average margin is if you are in an average business environment. An average business environment we don't see for the next two years in the mining side. Because as we said before, we will hit the CapEx downturn at the end of this year and then being flattish forward for 2015. So we don't foresee a significant uh, uh, improvement on the profitability side in material handling for that time. Okay, thank you very much. Very clear. Jakob Peterson from Sydbank is online with a question. 
Uh, yeah, hi. Um, I have a, a couple of questions related to your cement business. Uh, you have an uh, order intake dropping of around 26% in, in cement and still, and, and at the same time, kiln capacity is up around 25% uh, versus uh, 2012. Um, I, and I know that uh, there are some structural changes with Chinese competitors coming out into to, uh, to the markets outside China. Uh, but how should we think of this? Will you be able to keep your position in 2014? And, and, and how much of a structural pressure does this uh, put on, uh, on your margins of, of, the, of the orders that you're winning? I didn't get that with um, when you said 25% up. What do you mean with 25% up? A kiln capacity. Um, uh, fifth, if 50 million uh, tons in, in, in 13 new rides uh, against 40 and 12, I think. Uh, that, that should be around 25%. For us, um, the most important... No, for the market, for the market, for the market. Yes, for us... down 26%. For Effel Schmidt, for us, when we evaluate the, the market opportunities in cement, it's very much about the utilization rate, what we have in the different lines. We have roughly 3,000 lines in the world. And the utilization rate at the moment is still, as far as I remember exactly, it's 74% roughly in that range. And we know if it goes over 78%, we are really in a good situation for cement. So we are not there. So we don't see a significant improvement in the cement industry, especially not from 13 to 14. If it comes to the competition, uh, it is important to see um, what, or to the peers, I have to say, uh, it's important to see um, which kind of volume or figures are placed into the market. When we talk about orders in cement, we mean the cement plant. This is what we supply. This is our core business. There we are the best in the world. There we have the best brand. We don't include normally all the time these construction work around a cement plant, which in some, and quite a lot in the last few years of the orders, would make 75 to 85% of the total business volume on such an order. So we have to really look into it with what we uh, compare. And last but not least, regarding our profitability. Um, yes, we will be not that profitable as we were in 2012. That is already clear. But with our prudent approach, no matter if it's efficiency program or the already happened business right-sizing, especially in cement, um, reaching a 10.2 EBITDA underlying in the fourth quarter clearly shows uh, a good level where we are. And our guidance is on uh, 5 to 7%. So we are very much uh, on track from our point of view to fulfill our guidance in cement. Okay. Um, also, maybe a few words uh, from you on the Indian uh, cement market. Uh, what would it take for, uh, for that market to, uh, to improve? Thank you very much for that question. It is, um, India is uh, ambivalent for us. It's a big, big service base for us. India is the biggest service base what we have in our group in F.L. Schmidt. If business is good, or I can say it different, if the rupee, if the currency is on a very high level, normally you have in the same time quite a good business out in the market. That, of course, is good for us because we are the absolute top supplier of cement plants in India. Nowadays, as you are very much aware of it, the Indian 
business, the Indian yeah, business environment is very much down. But the rupee is very much down too. So we have a negative effect if it comes to revenue and profit out of sales in India. Yes, but a positive effect based on the cost structure and based on the services what we get out of India. So that's at the moment the picture for us. And last but not least, how we see the future, it's very unpredictable in India, how the business will develop. Okay, thanks a lot. Jürgen Siebrecht from HSBC is online with a question. Yeah, one short uh, follow-up question on the operational and maintenance business. Um, as we understand, it's a quite attractive business. There's good demand for that. Is, is there a limiting factor in terms of people you need to hire, the experts that run these plants? <clears throat> what is the gross potential that you see uh, for, for this business? Yes, there is definitely a limiting factor in the top people you need. That is clear because we sell labor. We sell competence. We sell, as we say, brain, attitude, behavior, because that leads to the productivity improvement on the customer side. But, and that's definitely for our company, F.L. Schmidt, we have a 130-year, more than 130-year cement history. We have a huge competence in-house. And we have a lot of colleagues who are willing and able and competent to go around the world and to help customers and working with customers on their sides. So we don't see internally a limiting factor. But we have to be very much with the customer before we quote and when we quote. This is a very dedicated process because we take over the site. This is a full partnership between customer and us. Okay, thank you. There are no more questions at this time. Maybe a comment to the business potential in the O&M business. We have roughly three, two and a half to 3,000 lines out in the market. We cover with our O&M business 15 lines now from more or less all suppliers. So the business potential is, of course, significant in that market. Good. Then I would say thanks a lot for all the questions here in the location in Welby, in Denmark, as well as all over the world. Have a safe trip home. <laughs>